Hello and welcome to 15 Minutes in Hell. I'm Ed Zitron. It's a 15-minute interview podcast. I'm joined today by Hamilton Nolan, who's a labor and politics journalist. Hamilton, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. So back in, I believe, May, you wrote a great thing around CEOs being replaced with AI. Do you think that that's actually practical? And I say this as someone who's written a similar article long after you. So you were first, just to be clear. Uh, yes. And great minds think alike, obviously. Um, we're probably not even the only two who have written that story. So, um, yes, I think it's practical. I mean, it goes, it kind of goes to the heart of the question of what CEOs do, right? I mean, if you think that CEOs are brilliant, uh, artists of business, then maybe not. But if you, if you think CEOs are what they are, which is like the sort of combination of, uh, spokesperson, uh, capital allocator um, and a person who hires and fires people and makes very big picture decisions. Sure. That seems like a really basic, basic uh, AI program, actually. It does kind of seem like the CEO role is obfuscated from the rest of labor. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, CEOs would, I'm sure, hate to be considered part of labor. I mean, I, it's actually kind of a, a good idea to s- interview a CEO a, as a labor, uh, as a worker and see what he said. I feel like they would kind of break out in hives. I mean, they don't, they clearly don't want oh, yeah. to be seen like that because they don't want to be paid like that. And if, if you, <laughs> if you were to classify a CEO as, as a, just another part of labor, you would have to then justify the salary that CEOs get in the context of what the rest of labor gets. Yeah, I've been genuinely trying to find this out for a while because I've been writing it inside of for over a year now, and I, I think I've read every single thing around what CEOs do, <laughs> and it's insane. They're all just like strategy, yeah, management. It's and you go and look, and it's like no one actually will say what they do, right. I mean, I don't I think know if, if you've seen anything. It's, I mean, I think probably the head of any big organization like that, really what they're paid for is to like take responsibility for the decisions, you know? So they make the big decisions and if they go right, they get credit. And if they go wrong, they get canned. And that's kind of well, do what, they? Well, I mean, it depends, right? I mean, they're, they're certainly paid as if they're going to get canned, you know? Um, kind of like college football coaches. I mean, there is sort of like either the team does good or it does bad and you get a big pay package to walk away. But I mean, it's a good question. My, my impression really is that they, you know, mostly what they do is say yes or no to stuff. And then if it works out, they get the credit. And if it doesn't, they get the blame maybe or not. (laughs) Yeah. It's more like being like a, the Raiders coach, I think in the sense that you're never really fired despite winning or losing, but yeah, it depends. Joke it for depends. Four listeners, I think it depends on the company, I guess. I mean, or it's like being the uh, Texas A&M coach who, who uh, just got fired and got 75 million bucks to get fired. So either way, it's not that. Okay. Bad that is game. exactly like the modern CEO. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you see this as a continuation of your work at Gorka? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, at Gawker, we had a lot of freedom to write about a lot of different things and you could kind of pursue your own interests. And so I sort of got more and more into labor reporting as time went on at Gawker. 
Um, mostly just because, you know, mainly what I like to write about was just like, why is America fucked up? You know, why why do the rich right. get richer and the poor get poorer? And like the big questions like that. And as I wrote more and more about that over the years, inevitably, it kind of leads you back to labor. You know, you keep coming back to like this these issues of the, the lack of labor power um, and, and inequality. And so that's kind of how I got drawn really into labor reporting more and more and eventually became more or less a full time labor reporter. And do you think that America is so fucked up because of labor? Is that the core issue? Well, I think, uh, you know, and I encourage everyone to buy my book, The Hammer, which comes out in uh, in February, um, which pursues these questions. But um, I think that I think the short answer is like inequality is the big trend. Post Reagan inequality is the big trend that has broken a lot of. American institutions and has kind of made the American dream um, a myth. And that mm. the only way to really fix inequality in the way that it operates in America is either A, the government can do it by raising taxes and whatnot. And I'm not optimistic that that will happen. Um, if anybody's no. optimistic that'll happen, you're more optimistic than me. And really the only other way to fix it is to increase labor power so that working people can get their own part of the pie enough to, to, to bend that inequality curve back. So I think kind of like in the big picture, labor power is at the heart of why America is broken today. And there's so many other issues that are really just like outgrowths of that bigger uh, underlying trend. Yeah. Things like healthcare, de- decoupling healthcare from private enterprises and also from work feels <laughs> like a basic one. Totally. I mean, you know, America, we kind of, America has this cobbled together social contract that obviously was not that well thought out, you know, but the the social contract that ties things like healthcare to employment, you know, it's it's a it's obviously a bad idea. If you sit down and and try to build a social contract from scratch, you'd be like that obviously has a lot of flaws. You know, you can't tie healthcare to employment. It's insane, but yeah. for better or worse, like that's the that's what we built. Uh, particularly, you know, in the wake of the New Deal and the wake of World War II. And so, like, you know, we should dismantle that, but, like, we should dismantle it in the sense of having Medicare for all. And instead, what happens is, exactly. is you know, the gig economy says we're going to dismantle it without any without building anything else. We're just going to yeah. take away the good parts and leave you with nothing, you know. It. It is insane. I think that younger people especially don't realize how insanely fucked things were before the ACA, even. <laughs> that just, if you were already sick, you can't get healthcare. Yeah, it's... Which, and, and pe- I would talk to people about that because I, I only moved to America in 2008. And I'd be like, this is insane. And they'd look at me like I was insane myself. They'd say like, <laughs> but that's just how it works. Right. And there's so many things in America that are like that. I mean, if you're born in yeah. America, you know, you coming from the outside are probably much, it's much easier for you to see the insanity of a lot of America. If you're born in America, it's just like, this is how it is. This is the state of nature. Yeah. I mean, there's tons of things about cap American capitalism in particular that are clearly insane, right? If you if you step back and think about it for two seconds, health the way we do healthcare is insane. You know, school lunch debt and all types of stuff. We're like, this is crazy, but it, people are so socialized to think that is normal that um, maybe that's why you're a, a more incisive social critic than many there Americans. There we go. Even. Well, but the thing that I always notice as well, on top of healthcare, on top of school lunch debt and stuff like that, is just the basic access to credit. 
which is a problem outside of America as well, but particularly here, is just that the rich can get these massive, insanely low... Like, Mark Zuckerberg's got hundreds of millions of dollars, like 2% loans. Yeah. But getting a house as a regular person now is impossible, and their solution is nothing. Right. There doesn't appear to be one. You know, if you think about the whole, like... Make housing more expensive. (laughs) The whole, like, nature of share... You know, shareholder capitalism is basically the economic system of America, right? And, like, if you think about... The nature of shareholder capitalism, which is it, 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 the prime beneficiaries are investors of that system. Um, you know, it means that having money gives you money, and like it's funny that America at the same time has such a culture of um, celebrating hard work and valorizing hard work, and sort of this myth about hard work being at the center of the American dream and all that, and an economic system that is like intrinsically opposed to that you know like by definition investment money is does not come from work it comes from it comes from you giving somebody a hundred dollars and you get back 150 dollars you know that's not work yeah so uh it's kind of interesting it's almost like the whole myth of of the value of hard work in america is just to like have a have a big uh, workforce to do the to do the work that can be exploited and and that's something I've noticed a lot with writing about like managers, management, and executives in that there seems to be this American dream where the, the front part is you want to become a leader, you want to become a manager. And then the thing you say quietly is, and you also don't want to do any work when you get there. <laughs> you must escape the workforce as soon as possible, but get paid as if you're part of it. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, you know, man, the whole the whole concept of middle management, like especially from a labor perspective <sighs> of this sort of class of people who are trying to kind of rise out of labor you know and, and i like to look at it as above right the labor they're the force. they're the layer of oil floating on top of the salad dressing of labor or whatever Ugh. but they're not quite <laughs> they're not really on top they're not they're not where the real the real action is you know so they're kind of sandwiched in limbo i'd like I like that there is an entire part of the workforce that is just a, a sickly toady, <laughs> a kind of um, yeah, it's it's like like a, a management goon. It's sad, man. You know, and if you've worked, you know, regular office jobs, I, probably everybody has known those oh, people. Who that's what like, jokerified me. Right, that's you're what sort of like insane. you meet these people, and you're like, I know you had dreams at some time in your life. <laughs> yeah. You know, I know you didn't dream. You of believed this in something when you were a kid, but you're you're making just enough money to to sort of waste your life here. It's it's kind of a sad thing, really. And I I think the other part of that as well is it's not just you you had dreams and they're gone, but also you don't enjoy anything outside of this office either. Because I've met the occasional middle manager, like one in 100, who has something that they love surfing or they love their dog. Like yeah. there's something they go and do at home. But for the most part, the middle managers are just, this is my job and there is nothing at home. It's very sad. It's very, it's very soul sucking. And also it kind of show, it kind of goes to show that people probably don't value their own time as much as they should. No. You know, because uh, you take that salary and then you desperately try to try to spend it enough on the weekend to make up for the, the horribleness of the week you just had, you know? Yeah. So on the subject of artificial intelligence, how big a threat do you think that is to the actual labor force i think that it's a big threat you know and i've i i I don't hold myself out as a tech expert per se um but i think knowing the way that companies deal with labor um i don't have any question that company you know the first task uh 
of of corporate America when it comes to AI is going to be to automate every single possible task that can be automated and push it off the books. It's the same incentive that they have to push um, full-time jobs into independent contractor category. You know, it's, it, it's or outsourcing or outsourcing, right? It's, it's the same incentive, you know, it's minimizing labor costs. And so I think AI is going to plug directly into that. And so, and you already see it, right? You see a lot of particularly like the lowest clout employees, freelancers and freelance marketing people and, and jobs like that are already being automated. People are already saying they're losing them. So, I mean, I, I think it's a it, I, it freaks me out a lot. It freaks me out a lot from a labor perspective and, you know, seeing like the Writers Guild and SAG-AFTRA and a lot of unions now pursuing AI as a central part of their contract is so important because those are like those are going to be really the only social regulations on AI for a long until the government gets around to to fully regulating it which which may be never so um it's it's pretty scary to me yeah yeah it it also feels on the writing side like writers kind of got screwed hardest on this because a lot of writers got pushed into this SEO slop position yeah where they were made to write like affiliate marketing driven things or five ways to do something, which was the easiest to automate because they didn't want special. Right. They just wanted lots. It's true. It's kind of like the set, you know, the first step was like the rise of, of the worst online media where they're like taking writers and paying them low wages to write, you know, listicles uh-huh. and write. Like, just like you said, that was just prepping the ground for automation now. And I mean, I've had like this debate with a lot of, you know, like writer writers and journalists who will be like, AI sucks as a writer. It's not good. And I'm like, the company doesn't care if it's good. You know, the company will be happy to take 50% quality for 5% of the price. Like they'll take that deal every day. So like from a labor perspective, that's what worries me. And I think that a lot of those writers who are saying that, think they're better than they are i'm so sorry to say <laughs> well we all probably like, think it, that it really is that. yes oh no no i my writing's best and i'll never get automated just to be clear yeah. complete hypocrite <laughs> but in all seriousness it feels like it what really stuns me about it though is that they the the executives the management people they only ever seem to get creative when it comes to automating away labor though right like they, they were so intricate in the way they've used AI to fuck labor, but they never seem to do anything yeah. else. I mean, look, like it, the in the big picture, it's like the thing is, like, if you want to have a society, you have to have something for people to do to support themselves. So, you know, all the right. people who are like, it's good that Otherwise you need to provide for right, them. It's good that AI will automate the most boring jobs like that's fine, but that has to be accompanied by a plan for people to live and survive, you know, so like. Again, it's like it does remind me of the gig economy in the sense that the companies only come with the first part. They're like, here's how we push all these labor costs off the book. And then you're like, what do people do to survive? And they're like, not our problem. You know, do not know. (laughs) All right. So you've been listening to 50 Minutes in Hell. Thank you for listening. It's where's your ed dot at slash podcast. Hamilton, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for listening, everyone. 